Hello, pod pals. Welcome back to Best Girl Grip, the podcast that navigates the film industry through the lens of the women doing just that. I am your host, Nicole Davis. Is anyone else tired? I always hold back from admitting when I am on this podcast because I never want to start an intro with something so mundane and lackluster, but I have to admit I'm feeling it today. LFF just wrapped up on Saturday and it was a really great and varied showcase of global filmmaking talent. There was lots in the programme that I really, really enjoyed. Um, But I have to admit, I missed all the energising conversations you have with people at the festival. Um, You know, just on the off chance that you bump into them or or in queues with complete randomers. And I also missed the zigzagging across London to get to different cinemas, sort of walking at a brisk pace with that sense of purpose of getting somewhere. And yeah, I guess just at the moment, it sort of feels like it's hard to hang on to inspiration or ideas. So that's sort of where I'm at. (laughs) I kind of feel like I need that refreshing slash violent sea bath that Saoirse Ronan has in Ammonite to renew my senses. But I'll settle for a good night's sleep. Anyway, musing aside, this week's guest is equally refreshing and I'm very happy to be introducing Melinda Kaur, a second assistant director whose recent credits include Clio Barnard's upcoming film Ali and Ava, HBO and Sky Atlantic's TV series The Third Day, British independent dramas Rocks and Monsoon, and a little show called Killing Eve. Melinda started out as a floor runner, working on Andrea Arnold's Wuthering Heights, before becoming a third assistant director. We discuss in depth that particular hierarchy and how her responsibilities change depending on both the role and the project. Melinda is also a writer-director in her own right, having made two short films, Amishi in 2016, which was shot by Robbie Ryan, and Blind in 2019, which was shot by former podcast guest Rachel Clark. Melinda was selected as a mentee on the 2019 Women in Film and TV Mentoring Programme for writing and directing, and she is currently preparing to shoot her third short. It was really heartening to hear how Melinda has balanced her creative ambitions with the need to get full-time work, um, and actually how the practical elements of her roles on set have gone on to inform her own filmmaking process. I hope you enjoy our conversation. This is episode 67 of Best Girl Grip. like to start this podcast is where you went to university if you did and what you studied while you were there so yes I went to university I went to John Moores in Liverpool and I studied a media marketing cultural studies with politics degree um, which is very well they used to call it the Mickey Mouse degree (laughs) which I was like no it's not and rebelled against everyone and was like right I'm doing it even if you think it's a Mickey Mouse degree. Mm -hmm. I just really wanted to learn about theory and learn about how like a script is portrayed in the industry and actually looking at a more theoretical point of view and you know and how it affects you know race and identity and class and so you know we learned so much about you know visual medium mediums and journalism and photojournalism but then also looking at yeah how the media affects the society and the audiences and it was yeah it was just brilliant and so um it really opened my mind up and um I really feel that every like kids should learn about cultural studies I just think it's just just really important to kind of learn about you know it's, it's such a good such a good foundation there were points when I thought oh you know 
should I do a practical film degree? But I just, yeah, I just felt like I just wanted that foundation, which then led me to, so I studied that in Liverpool and then I'm from Bradford in Yorkshire and mm-hmm. came back home and tried to apply for jobs, which was, you know, it was like I thought about going into communications and media and journalism. Mm-hmm. And then I, um, I applied for a training scheme, which was through Screen Yorkshire and mm-hmm. Yorkshire Television. And I got onto it. So you were interested in filmmaking. That was a career you were sort of pursuing, yeah. knew about. Yeah, I think it came about, you know, as a child, I always had like an imagination, just wanted to, was always the person that would tell the stories or make the games up or, yeah, and I just always loved story so yeah so I've always had an interest in making films and And then was the training scheme via Screen Yorkshire quite practical did it kind of equip you with tools that you felt like you could sort of then go into the industry with like what talk to me a little bit about what that entailed so a lot of it was researching and I you know I was taught how to um, write pictures and kind of research and um, a lot of team building like um, team building sessions and yeah, and developing, I did a lot of script reading and writing reports and I moved around different production companies. Mm-hmm. So I moved, so I wasn't in one production company. It was, you know, moving from one documentary company to then a, a TV production company or, and then, yeah, so just, yeah, I think I went to six different production companies, which is quite intense. A part of um, being a freelancer and filmmaking is you meet so many different people all the time and so many inspiring and creative people so it kind of it did kind of give me a foundation of how how to kind of interact with loads of different types of people and I learned lots of yeah lots of different skills and yeah and I apply apply those skills now you know even to how I how I am and how I work now so yeah and I and I pitched and what treatments yeah they just taught you how to apply yourself and how to get ready to be a part of this world this industry mm. working in the industry is it is who you know networking and it's probably more than that but mm-hmm. and yeah so showing your face being part of like networking groups and I put myself onto the database maybe like eight months into the training scheme and then I got a call from a production company Tiger Aspects and it and, and Lynn Roberts who was the coordinator I'm producing now I'm producing now so she um, phoned me up and said, "Oh, you know, we've seen your we've seen your name on the database. Would you like to come and be a production runner on a TV show, TV film called White Girl, which did really well? It won a BAFTA, and Abby Morgan was the writer, and Hetty McDonald was a female director. So it was really great for me to do that job because it was a female director, female writer, and the characters were female driven." Mm. led but I said no I said I don't want to be a production runner I'd like to see how it is on the floor because yeah. I've now just done a few jobs in a you know in a production office so I would like to learn what it's like to be on the floor and through you know I, I had to I had to be smooth and um I spoke to my the training you know Screen Yorkshire and they said well we'll fund you to to do that because mm. you're still in the you know in the training in the training um, year and my you know the re- research and runner scheme was me moving around different production companies so they said if that's what you want to do and they were always open to me and what I wanted to do and so they said if that's what you want to do we will fund you to allow you then to be a floor runner um so then that's what they did so they funded me and then 
at the end of its tiger aspects then paired me as well so it worked out really well actually because I got paid quite a bit for being a trainee floor runner in the end (laughs) but no no and it was great it was you know I was a trainee floor runner to begin with but then I became the main floor runner and um, it was such a good experience and it was Mm. such a buzz and it was creative and inspiring and I probably wouldn't have ever learned that if I hadn't said you know I want to kind of I just want to work on the floor really it was um, Mm. that's interesting I'm wondering like how you knew the difference like obviously you've been working in production companies so you knew that production running was different but what was it about like being on the floor and working as a floor runner that maybe piqued your interest a bit more I think I'd probably done a bit of research beforehand like you know because yeah I probably did research onto what a floor runner was yeah I just I just made that decision and just went went with it really and I was a floor runner for four years and a long time a floor runner. Wow. I mean, you're just getting jobs through like word of mouth, like you'd come off one production and you'd hear that someone else needed one. Like how was that working? So it was difficult actually. After doing, after working on White Girl, I struggled to get the next gig because I think then it's really hard to then, because it was a London production as well. And the team was from, worked in London and or Manchester or, you know, and I think, I was quite naive to thinking that, you know, I could just stay in Bradford and work on work on projects in Bradford. And you, you just can't, like every, I think every freelancer has moved around the country. You haven't just solely been able to work at home. And I never really wanted to move to London. Like I really didn't ever, it wasn't a dream or desire to move to London. I was a bit of a home bird, so I just wanted to kind of stay at home. And yeah, it took me a while to understand that. And I came across, or someone might have told me about a database called Knowledge Online. And I remember just emailing, God, hundreds of firsts and seconds and production managers, well, not managers, coordinators or, you know, people, producers, like hundreds. And, you know, you got responses sometimes, but you just didn't get a response. And it was quite disheartening, actually. And, and then I got, onto some dailies because at that time I don't think Bradford or Leeds really had many jobs apart from Emmerdale but you know the industry can be quite quite clicky and Mm. you know someone new coming into the industry it's really hard if you don't have if you don't have uh, access and and I think it was it was really tricky for me to kind of get into the industry even though I had done that training scheme and even though I had done that one job it was quite difficult and then I did get managed to get some dailies on a job, which I've forgotten the name of. And then I so dailies, I went did some dailies on a TV show, Qdos TV production. And then I got on, I did some dailies on a film called Damned United. And from that, I met a second assistant director called Tom Rye, who then took me, asked me if I wanted, who asked me if I wanted to do well, to work on a film called Nativity in commentary. I did it and I met, and it was brilliant because it was all, in, it was an improvised um, Christmas film. Again, it was a female director. So I've worked with, I would, you know, I've worked with a lot of female directors actually. I've been really lucky to kind of work on with, with lots of female directors. And it was really tough, really hard, but it's a great film. And from there, I met a third AD called Jake Rollins and he kind, he kind of helped me step up and, you know, when he then became a second assistant director, I became his third. And when he he's now the first assistant director and then I was his second. So it kind of, that's how 
I was able to kind of step up and kind of then get work and then it just all you know and then it's all word of mouth and now you know I don't really need to send my CV anymore or Mm. you know I haven't done that for a while now so that's yeah that was the process really for me. And was it through meeting Tom initially that you learned about that position or did you have your eye on that area already? It was probably from my first floor running experience where I learned what a second assistant director does. The responsibilities are all the same, but depending on how big the project is and how long the project is, um, it does, your responsibilities do vary. I can't, yeah. And then I just realized that I wanted, well, I suppose I wanted to be a third assistant director mm-hmm. and then and then the natural progression was second assistant director. So, Can we break down what those responsibilities are, yeah. um, both in third and then what you um, progress to as a second AD? You know, what are yeah. you doing on a day-to-day, both before, during, and maybe after production? So, um, yeah, so a first assistant director is the person that kind of is the right-hand person for the director and schedules and liaises with the DOP, the, um, the production designer, the director, the producers and casting really as well so they schedule according to um whether we can get into a location Mm. on this day and whether we can have that cast member on that day and whether the director wants to shoot that scene in that order and and it is all about yeah bringing the different departments together to make a schedule that um everyone can work to really and is cost effective and time effective so yeah so that's the first director role and then a second assistant director is to facilitate that really and they're the you know the, the second assistant director is the person that is not on set they are at a unit base that then kind of make sure that the day-to-day running is happening and also plans the rest of the shoot mm-hmm. as in you know make sure that the art department has the props or the tools um ready for the shoe or make sure that the cast are on set and make sure the costume and makeup know what what is really happening really and they the second ed is second adelia is with production and you know they they are the point of call for the actors and they you know they give the the producer call sheet which has all the information on that everyone has to adhere to and you know they book the transport they book how many trailers are required they book the minibuses they and also it's, it's split into two roles. So you have a crowd second assistant director, which I have done a lot of as well, where they look, look after the, the crowd and book the crowd and featured roles and liaise with costume and makeup and the director to accept, to create a look that then, you know, creates an atmosphere on set and mm-hmm. actually sets the scene as much as anything really. It's, I think it's really important. The crowd is so important and, a lot of people don't realise how how important it is. It's like, mm. you know, you put someone in a period outfit out, outside a supermarket, a modern supermarket, it just completely <sighs> says a different thing. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, but it's yeah. just sort of, like crowd are, are crucial. As the second assistant director, you are kind of, you manage the team and you manage the third assistant director. The crowd are second assistant director to a certain degree and the floor runners and stand-ins. And so you are you are having to prioritise and liaise and organise and predict mm. and come up with A and B plans. And it is a 24-hour job. Like you never, you never stop. It is constant. So then a third assistant director is the person on set that works with the first assistant director to make it happen on mm. set. 
I work with the third assistant director to, so for example, the, the first assistant director will say, we're moving on to the next scene. We need the cast ready for the next scene mm-hmm. um, in five minutes. And then the third assistant director will contact me and say, we're ready for the next cast. And then I will then send the cast down to tap that set. So the, the third assistant director are my eyes and ears on set also just constantly keeping the flow of communication happening you know there's always going to be problems and mistakes and human errors but it's just working together to kind of make it work and um, you mentioned there obviously communication and organization are there any other skills that you feel like you've had to master to be good at your job reading people (laughs) Uh, yeah reading people and being very proactive and finding and Finding solutions um, to problems, like that's that's a big thing, I think. And it's just learning what you can and can't have, but then actually finding them maybe a better solution, really. You have to be quite good at like speaking out or speaking up, you know, if you have an idea or like, you know, following through yeah. on that solution. Like, is that something that you've always possessed? Or again, is that something that you sort of had to get comfortable doing? I've always been able to speak out, but I've never been able to speak out to to my a boss or a manager. I suppose it's that it's that confidence. You have to be confident and kind of confident and kind of know how to speak to the different types of people that that you are around, really, and that you're with. And I think timing is very important as well. Is you know everyone's got a lot going on in their heads, and finding the right time to kind of tell someone something is I think that's a skill as well is is timing and do you find it creatively fulfilling as a second assistant director probably not so much because you are you are having to manage and coordinate and allow creativity to happen really right so you learn so much about how to make things and how to make things look good and you know and so many things that you come across like you know someone for example like a blood rig a costume on a re- you know and sfx would put on to to create like a you know blood effect of you know someone's been shot and it's you know all these all these interesting wounds and how to how to get around making some you know mm. doing that is i think it's amazing and then I'm interested, like you've worked on a mixture of both TV and film projects, you know, recently I've, I've just started watching The Third Day, which you worked on, um, and Killing Eve, um, as well as the the film Rocks, which has just come out as well. So can you maybe talk about the different nuances between those two mediums and maybe how they change if they do in terms of like what your role is on them? Yeah, I think the responsibility is always the same I feel I think on rocks I was the second assistant director we didn't really have a crowd second rocks was um, a ground for training people so we trained a lot of females actually and that wanted to come into the industry and it was it was quite it was a tough job because it was quite it was um, improvised and we shot it in story order we shot it in story order and we street casted maybe 90 percent and we created a database to allow that to happen so it was it was it was really fulfilling and really you know we were all involved and it was a collaborative process and we were all creatively involved as well so my job just wasn't about just organizing and prioritizing Mm. and communication and I've worked on a few projects like that and I like to work on projects like that because you are really involved but then yeah third day and killing Eve, I was the crowd second on 
they're a lot like TV is a lot more, you know, you have to stick to a schedule, you have to stick to a schedule and it's a lot more faster paced compared to film because I think you have a lot more I think you've I feel like you have a lot more time sometimes with film is that because I guess when a show gets commissioned it maybe has a slot in the calendar of when it's going to come out beforehand is that why whereas with a film like you kind of wait until it picks up a distributor to find out about yeah that's probably right actually like with with third day again that was another amazing project I'm very lucky to have worked on some great great things and we filmed on an island or sea island and we were there for maybe a month or maybe longer and you can only go on and off the island according to the tide hello it's nicole just interrupting quickly with a splash of context if you've never heard of this show it's called the third day and it's basically a psychological thriller in which jude law is drawn to this mysterious and slightly sinister island and it was all filmed on OC Island, which is accessed by a tidal causeway, which means you can only get on and off the island at certain times of the day, which definitely adds an air of peril and urgency and strangeness to the TV show. And that's what we're referencing here, in case it's not clear. And the crowd were all living off the island because, you know, because the island only could accommodate a number amount of people. Right. And that was and so so logistically it was a very difficult um challenging actually it was a challenging piece to work on but I you know it was it, I loved it I loved I love a challenge and I love being busy and I love having to multitask killing Eve as well and so that was again that was different because I liaise with because it was it was filmed in different countries and so I had to liaise with a team at, in for example France and Paris mm-hmm. I had to deal liaise with them and a team in Berlin so I was constantly like liaising with them to get the look right of the crowd and and so yeah so it, so that was different to what I'd done before the second assistant director it's, it's never right you do have the same responsibilities and a lot of the jobs but there's always something different on every job mm. which makes it interesting and exciting and, and, and addictive really and is there like a clear path built into it? Like I, you mentioned um, earlier that sort of once the second AD moved up to first, you then moved up to second. So is that something you just sort of have to bide your time and you'll move up to first? Or like, is there any other like creative routes to doing what you want to do? So, yeah, so I have been offered a few first AD gigs and I have started to first, I would say. Mm-hmm. Again, you, it's interesting because I, I, I always find that the media industry as when you're on set when you're shooting you don't ever train um the training is on the job so on in most industries you if you step up you then have you have to do a course or there's a, a management training course or you know something like that whereas i was so afraid to step up to third ad because my third jake rollins was like the best third in the world i i felt i was just like how am i going to be able to do what he's doing and a runner's, a floor running, floor runner's job is different to a third AD's job because you have to, so that's another another part of third AD is that you set the background. So you make sure it's the same every time. So um, so that's, it's quite tricky when you've got loads of crowd. Well, your memory has to be gone. And yeah, so, you know, I was so scared to step up because I was like, how am I going to be able to like manage the crowd and set background and do that element of it 
and you, you you kind of have to be pushed. Well, I did anyway. And so I was pushed into third ED and, and then again with second in the first ED was like, you can do it. You can, you know, and I'm there to support you. Cause, and so, yeah, so I stepped up to second in and it was such a learning, such a learning curve mm. because you have to like, it's so different to third ED in very different because you are at the unit base and you there's a lot of spreadsheets you know you can actually cost production a lot of money and I was like oh god (laughs) you know there's a lot of responsibility on your shoulders but you know you you have to just throw yourself into it even you know and that is how you are going to learn and develop and I think you've got to be really thick-skinned and and it's just it is just a job and not let any anyone it's not personal I think that's what you've got to always remember it's not personal there are going to be times when you are overloaded and there's been a change and you have to facilitate it quickly Mm. but you've just got to do it you've got to just try I'm really interested in the fact you also direct you know you started directing short films and I'm wondering at what point like you got that bug and how did you make these short films how did you get them funded so I've, I've always wanted to make my own shorts and films and documentaries and because I was had the running bug and being on set and also just earning a living really you know it took me so long to get onto the floor and then I just wanted to keep hold of it you know I wrote I wrote a play in early 20s and I got onto like various playwriting schemes but I just wasn't able to fully commit to the playwriting schemes because I was working and I had to work and I'd moved to London that was my focus to work on the floor I've always written I suppose and and it's only now that it started to become my uh, like important focus for me so and I'm in a position where I can work and then take some time off to then make some so my first short film for example um a friend of mine a cinematographer just sat me down and was like look you you always talk about making your short film so let's just make one I've got a month off let's do it and in my mind I was thinking god how do I do this but I we did it and you know it was such a small crew six of us and I'm lucky because I've worked in the industry for a long time that I I know a lot of people and managed to pull a really good team together and made a short film for 500 quid really shot it in so Mishi the shot film I made was shot in a day and a half I was lucky because we did end up shooting it on film and you know my friend was an exec and he you know he was a cinematographer and he contributed to the process and the film and it was just like really nice and just made me realize that there are a lot of people in the industry that do want to support and help you there are periods in your career where you are gonna feel like you're on your own and that the world's against you but then every so often there's that light you know and that makes you carry on and continue and yes we made the short film and it did really well actually but again it was it's a learning curve and I'm not very good at promoting anything (laughs) and promoting myself I suppose yeah it did really well and then the second and then the second film shot film that I made was took me four years to make because again I was working and doing other things and we crowdfunded and a production company um, that was starting up saw Amishi and um, helped me fund that but again it was like that was seven thousand pound I think and that was shot in two days whilst I was filming Killing Eve wow. so it was um oh it was full on it, it's always I think being a freelancer is always tricky juggling decisions and making decisions and you know I took time off to make a short film due to shoot in October I was like that's the date that I'm going to shoot I'm going to do it and then I got offered 
killing Eve. And I just, I took it because again, you know, need to pay the bills. And also it's a great project to do. And then there was a slot. I had three days off and I just, yeah, we rehearsed. I did the costume fitting and dressed the set and um, shot a film two days. It was, it was full on. And now I'm hoping to make my, I've got two of the short films that I'm developing at the minute and I've written a pilot and a couple of feature film pictures. So it's just tricky to get all the pieces together sometimes, um, mm. but it will happen and yeah. hopefully make it by the end of the year or next year. So. Mm. And is the ambition to kind of combine the two, like eventually you can work your way up to being a director and that is, you know, what you make money on? Yeah, I think I'd love to be a writer-director and make my own films. I think the time is right now. And yeah, again, like I said, it's all about timing and mm. I think it's just been in me for so long and now I can't keep it in. I think it just needs to all come out. And I'm wondering like what that jump was like for you then being on set as a director. Obviously then you've got people doing things for you where you're maybe used to it being the other way around. Did that feel quite different, something different to get used to? It was tricky because I am quite a an open person. So it was, you know, and I like everyone to be involved as much as they can, um, which is probably the way that I am going to be here as a as a director as well um, and I've seen and I've been lucky enough to see many different directors and how they work and every director works differently so mm. I think for many years I felt like I had to be a certain way and how you know and I've realized actually I don't and I can still be myself and be a director and manage a team and mm. for me it's the important thing is to uh, allow creativity to happen still, even though, even as a director is a let, because everyone, what I've learned from being an assistant director is everyone's there for a reason. And so you should let, let them be there for a reason and let them, let all each department have their voice really and let everyone have their voice. So being on set has helped my writing because I've been able to be there and, and see how it happens and see what can work and what can't work and what you know and I think that's been important as well yeah I think also it's just so valuable to know that the time is worth it you know like some people think that you need to come right out the gate and that you need to be writing yeah. you know from a very young age and if you haven't done that that time is wasted but uh, yeah I think that just hearing that that the experience that you spent on set has then informed yeah. your writing process like it's just good to hear I do now know how to I do know how to write a script and that's from from reading lots of scripts from being around filmmakers and being an assistant director I think is invaluable because you're working with all the different departments and it's just you're just constantly learning so and there's lots of conversations that you're just around people that are just constantly talking about how they're gonna make the film or the tv show and it's just really it's just great to be around Speaking of learning, um, you know, you said you're constantly learning. Do you have something that you consider to be the biggest learning curve of your career? I suppose to be yourself, you know, to, you know, it's to keep being yourself, to be, oh yeah, to be very thick skinned, <laughs> very thick skinned mm -hmm. and there's no wrong and right answer. I think that's what I was afraid of a lot when I was a runner and to keep being determined if that's, if that's what you want. And um, to wrap up, what is a film that you've seen by a woman director that you think is an undervalued gem that you'd like to recommend? I love Monsoon Wedding. I just watched it recently, again recently and I just forgot how good it was. How good it is, should I say. It's just yeah, such yeah. a good 
film. And I think Marinara is just such a great female diverse director who gets it, that kind of gets the two different worlds and, and being able to make films that are commercial and that everyone worldwide can relate to. And I think that's, and she just does it in such a good, authentic way. And it's, yeah, I think she's amazing. But also, like, I love League of Their Own. And, um, oh, my God, like, I watched that um, during lockdown again. And I just thought that, like, there's so many good films out there that have kind of been got forgotten a little bit. Two great recommendations. <laughs> Very on board with that. Um, Melinda, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for downloading this episode of Best Girl Grip. You can find all my previous episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Acast. If you're interested in learning more about this particular field, I recommend listening to my episode with clapper loader Mahalia John and Rachel Clark, the cinematographer who I mentioned in the intro. I'll be back next Tuesday with a brand new episode. Until then, have a lovely week. Mm-hmm.